Welcome to the Hidden Wire podcast, episode 1009. This is my interview with Joel Gandara, and we're discussing the topic, massive action. Enjoy. Hey, Joel, welcome to the Hidden Wire podcast. Great to have you here. Lee, it's my pleasure to be here with you. You're over in Florida. Florida. That's right. Florida. Um, Mate, no, thank you for coming on the show. really appreciate your time. You're a man of action, um, and I really want to sort of delve into that topic and the importance of taking action because I think it's one that not everyone's wired to, but it's really important as far as you know creating a successful life. But I want to go back a bit further to your story because you've got a, a fairly interesting story and, and how you've built your success in, in a relatively uh, a short time or young age, I should say. So just give us a bit of a background about yourself, Joel, please. Sure. So I started out, I was born in communist country of Cuba. I was born in Havana, Cuba. And at the age of four and a half, my family put us on a boat, capacity 75. There was 150 of us on that boat with no life jackets. And there was a storm. And I remember it very well. I was only four and a half. And I remember every detail about it because it was traumatizing. And we made it to Key West, the southernmost point in the United States, 90 miles from Havana. And that's where my life started over with new opportunities. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's great to be in this country, in the United States, and have the opportunities. However, we started at the bottom, as is natural. My mom was a physics teacher in Cuba. My dad, my dad was an electrician. But we started at the very bottom. My mom started cleaning hotel rooms. My dad would pick, fix people's TVs and, and radios. Back then, when you would fix things, now you just throw them away and buy a new one. But uh, so grew up poor and hungry and wanting to achieve a little bit more. You know, I watched television programs where the kids were rich mm. and I aspired to one day be like that. And I, I did things to get, you know, to get my own money. And in fourth grade, I started buying all my own toys. And I did that by buying trading cards at a lower price in the packs and selling them individually. And I was clearing $40 U.S. profit every month in fourth grade until the school cracked down on me. But, you know, I invented my next thing and the next thing throughout the years, and I've really never stopped inventing. Wow. The, um, yeah, not many people have that story, mate, and that's um, certainly or well, most, most likely created that, that hunger and that drive within you, um, having to uh, flee your country. Did you flee your country or you just decided to? In 1980, uh, Fidel Castro did something pretty smart. Once he saw the pressure was building up in the country and people were starting to ask for a little bit of freedom and a little bit of uh, ability to leave, he went ahead and said, sure, you can all leave. And and the U.S. agreed. It was the 1980 Mariel Boat Lifts. It's the whole story of Scarface with Al Pacino, that movie. And, and so love Castro did let out. What's that? I love that movie. Yeah, well, that's the exa- entire story, what it's about. Although, you know, we weren't cocaine sellers <laughs> or killers or anything, but there were some bad people in those boat lifts. Here's what happened. Castro said, sure, you want to get your families out? You Go ahead, Cuban-Americans, go ahead and come down and get your family. Well, Castro emptied the prisons and he emptied the mental asylums. And and those are the people who got out along with some families. You know, we were fortunate enough to get out during that yeah. time. So we were fleeing, but uh, it was a supervised, organized thing. Mm. That's nice. Well, not nice. That's an interesting story, isn't it? It worked out. Yeah. Um, what do you feel about that? Like this, this, um, cause you can look at some people and if, if there's not this, this killer drive, like you've, you know, coming up and starting from rock bottom, like your parents, you know, 
what did you say? Your mum was a science teacher, a physics teacher. Um, your dad was an electrician. I mean, these are pretty, um, pretty good roles in society, but they had to start from the bottom. And as a child, you're seeing that. And, and would you say you were in poverty when you got there? Yeah, absolutely. We were in poverty. Yeah. We lived. Yeah. I remember a few years after being here, my, my parents were, by the way, my parents were very smart with their money. Very smart. They worked a job, had a little part-time hustle on the side or another, mm. you know, uh, another job and they saved everything. So a couple, a few years after arriving, they already had a small down payment, literally just a couple thousand dollars and they bought a house. And I remember for the first time, for the first while there, we didn't have a refrigerator. We had a cooler and we'd buy ice every couple of days. And that's where the food was in a wow. cooler until my parents, a couple of paychecks more. And then we bought a refrigerator and that's, you know, so yeah, we, we did not have any fancy things, but yeah, so you're absolutely you, right. Lee, that, feel, yeah, that gave me the hunger. Yeah. It gave you the hunger. Yeah. Okay. How do you describe yeah. that? Cause you know, sometimes I see people out there. I didn't grow up in, in that sort of circumstance. I grew up in a fairly wealthy or well-off household. I wouldn't say rich, but certainly, you know, well-off and, um, I do have this drive, you know, I've got this hunger to go out there and I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because I'm the youngest of four and um, just received hand-me-downs or something. Who knows? But mm-hmm. do you notice that? Like some people have that sort of drive because of that sort of situation where they've hit rock bottom or come from rock bottom and, and really just didn't want to ever be there again? Yeah, you know, I don't know what it is because I do know sons of immigrants who might not be as driven. And then I know folks like you who grew up comfortably, but you're still driven. So it's almost like a like a lottery. It's like we don't get to pick our parents. We don't get to pick up, you know, or choose our, our DNA and, and our traits. We're just born with that. So I don't know that if I grew up under different circumstances, I can tell you that there were dire circumstances and I made the best of it. Yeah, that's the only way I can explain it. So, you know, these attributes that are sort of almost innately within us, like, um, I don't know, I'm very impatient now. I don't know if that's an attribute, but I assume it's something to do with, um, you know, my impatience um, to do with something innate. I'm not sure. Um, But um, like perseverance and persistence, I guess that's probably attributes that you carry, um, being that you've come from where you are to who you are now. You've just, you know, pushed through it. Yeah. And, and, you know, the same thing, you, you, and it's funny, a lot of entrepreneurs, we can describe ourselves the same way. I'm absolutely impatient. So when you said a man of action, yes, action is the opposite of being impatient. I mean, of being patient. So I get it. Yeah. No, you can't sit still. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's interesting. And I, I don't know, I'm pretty sure you can, to an extent, practice certain things that, you know, like, I think you can practice patience by meditating and things like that. And certainly, that's something that I've had to do is try and, you know, because the impatient side of things, and you probably agree, is sometimes beneficial as far as I'm impatient. I just want to get this done. So you, you just get things done. Um, you execute very quickly and you're, you're very decisive. But sometimes it's a flaw too because you can make quick decisions and make mistakes as well that perhaps if you were a bit more patient, you could have got it right. Absolutely. But, you know, again, I, I'm myself, so I, it's hard to do the – the opposite of who I am. And I've had some doozies. I've made some mistakes by acting too quickly sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you now so like, I'll just, t- just tell us about, outside. sorry, you go. I'll continue to make mistakes on the side of being too quick. I'll accept that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's probably not a bad way to be, isn't it? But, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes I've made decisions which probably could have been a bit more thought out in hindsight, but sure. whatever. I don't, I don't really look back with it too badly. Right. Um, 
What um, I mean, you work with people now, entrepreneurs and things, to, to help them with their businesses, um, and you're a man of action. Um, just give us a little bit of a brief background into what you've done. You know, you've you created some very early success in life. What was that all about? Yeah. So um, here's here's how simple my beginning was. I would go to what here. I don't know what it's called in other parts of the world, but in the states, people have garage sales on the weekend, right? They'll Outside their home, they'll sell things that they're getting rid of. And in high school, I wanted to make a few bucks. So I'd go to garage sales and look for things that I could buy and then turn around and sell them myself. Hmm. I would take them to a flea market, you know, out in, uh, in, in, out in the open air and sell. And I found a guy selling jockey underwear, brand new in the package. Turns out he was a sales rep for a jockey underwear brand. And I bought all his samples for that, you know, uh, six month collection that he had. And it was a uh, 500 and something pieces. I bought them at a dollar each. They're brand new in the package. I took them to the flea market over a couple of weekends. I made $3,000 and I said, wow, there's something here. So a lot of roller coasters up and down Lee, but I now go fast forward a lot of years. I own 20 different apparel brands that I've developed myself. And some of them are competitors that I've acquired along the way. I've bought 14 companies over the last 10 years Wow. And, and so we, I, I started once, you know, I started buying those underwear wholesale. The guy would call me every six months and say, Joel, I've got more samples. If you want to buy them, I got a thousand of them, 2000, whatever they were. But in the meantime, as he would call me every six months for years, I started looking for brands that would give me the distribution and I would tell them I'll, I'll sell it on eBay. I'll sell it on my website. I'll sell to stores, whatever it takes. And I got a brand out of Mexico. They gave me the distribution, worked with them for about nine years. Yep. And then in that process, I learned the business. I got the contacts. I developed my own first brand, then a second and third and fourth and fifth. Then I started acquiring a lot of my competitors in the space. And now we've built a multi-million dollar company that does very well, uh, but it, it operates now without me. And it's easy to say that, not so easy to get there. It took 80-hour weeks for over a decade to get to that. But once I got to a point where I didn't have to be in the day-to-day, I don't have an office anymore. I take out my laptop to do conversations like this one, and, and it's rare. It's usually collecting dust. So I'm in a different place now. But, yeah, that's, that was kind of the trajectory. I'm happy to – I'm an open book. I'll dive into details. But, yeah, built that up over a decade and a half, two decades, and then now I'm, I'm free to do other things. Hmm. That's interesting. And you said you found your passion helping other people, you know, with their success in the entrepreneurial space as well, which is great. Um. I just want to go into a few details of that journey of yours. And one thing that stands out definitely is, you know, it wasn't an overnight story and, and you go, it's easy to say now, you know, I've got these companies, multi-million dollar companies. Um, I'm sort of stepped back now. I'm not really involved in it. It runs by itself. You know, people would look at that and go, that's exactly what I want. But for you to get there, it's it's been a hard 80 hour weeks for 10 years plus. Yeah. Like that's, and just talk to us about that because that's perseverance, you know, that's, and there's drive there too. There must be some. What's the what's the what's the carrot or the motivation to keep you going forward um, in that in that sort yeah. of time frame as well? Um, because I yeah. think a lot a lot of people now it's it's just I want this thing instant, you know, I want instant gratification, I want instant success. Um, no one's about the long term anymore and doing the the grind, the hard work to to get there. Yeah, I noticed that. Um, so I am impatient. But I, I fortunately did figure this out. 
I was impatient for my actions, so I continued to act. Every day, I felt like I had to just do something positive in the right direction. And I knew that the results would take forever. That part I was not impatient about because I can't control if a store is going to buy from me today or not, but I can keep trying. I can keep sending them a gift. I can send them a card in the mail. I can send the buyer a box of chocolates, you know, until they bought from me when I was a wholesaler. That's how I got going. And then once I became direct consumer, that was different. But so you brought up a few good things here. So what was the carrot? Let me tell you first, before the carrot, I'll tell you what the stick was. Yep. Because a carrot is the, it's the magnet pulling me forward to the good thing. The stick is the one behind me that's going to hit me in the back of the head. That, you know, we, we react more to fear than the incentive, I believe. And my fear was staying in poverty. And my fear was once I got out of poverty, once I became a millionaire, once I became a multimillionaire, everything kept being the stick. I don't want to go back to poverty. I don't want to go back to a neighborhood where I literally heard gunshots several times a week, where the high school I went to, several people that I graduated high school from, I can't believe this because I'm in a totally different place in my life, but the high school I went to, I know several people convicted of murder. People that I hung out with, that I talked to, that I saw in the hallways at school. So that's the kind of school I went to. A lot of people were in gangs. A lot of people were selling drugs. People murdered people. I know people who got murdered. So... I did not want to be around that. I did not want to have a family under those circumstances. I wanted to get out of that. So that was my fear, to get out of what scared the heck out of me as a kid, to walk through the hallways and keep my head down because I was scared of these tough guys that I I couldn't fight and I didn't want to fight. So that was a stick. The carrot is, to me, and it's, it's changed over time. When I was a little kid, I wanted to have neat things. I wanted, I thought having a sports car would have been cool. Now I can go buy a bunch of Lamborghinis. I don't have a sports car. I don't have anything that fancy. I don't care for those things. For me now, it's the security. It's knowing that my kids aren't going to have to worry. I'm not going to have to worry. Um, everything's going to be okay, and I can help people and have a great life. Um, and then, how, how do you think about you know when you say your kids are going to be okay? Do you feel that that might might limit them because obviously you didn't have all that that security, and that's what's driven you? Do you think somehow? Because I often think about it. If um, if we give our kids too much, maybe they'll be complacent and, and just feel that, that, hey, they don't have to actually try. 100% agreed. I want to make sure that they never have to live in a ghetto. But I have four children, and my wife and I, and they range from 16 down to seven as of right now. And I'll tell you this, the 16-year-old has over $25,000 in savings, and he's done that on his own. All I've done is coach him, but he does all the work. He has a wholesale chocolate business. He buys pallets, an entire pallet of fundraising chocolates that churches and synagogues and schools might buy and go out and sell. He'll buy them for 40 cents each, and he sells them for $2. And he does really, really well with it. So he's built up $25 U.S. in the bank at that age. Uh, There's no excuses. And as you go down the row of my four children, they have equivalent savings but adjusted for their age because they all sell chocolates. My daughter's nine years old. She makes bracelets. Last month, she made over $200 selling bracelets. Um, So we tell them, we talk to them about finances. I show them my profit and loss statements in my businesses. I talk to them about savings. I talk to them about real estate investments that I have and why they should be investing in real estate when they have the, the enough money. So yeah, we do not hand anything to them for that fear that you said. I have that same fear you have. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah. Now I'll tell you this little, I like pointing to little victories because when I was a kid, I didn't have big victories at all. Um, you said the word perseverance. When I was in fifth grade, Mr. Black, a teacher that I had who was so strict and so awesome, 
he gave me an award at the end of the year. I wish I still had that piece of paper. It was a certificate. And I won the Perseverance Award in fifth grade. And that stuck with me because I didn't even know what the word was when I won it. But he made me go to the front of the class and he said, I persevered so much. I was not an A student. I'd get a C, but then I'd ask him, how can I make this better? And I'd work really hard and I'd turn in another one. And he gave me a B. So, <laughs> you know, I think perseverance kicks the butt of intelligence anytime. Yeah, yeah, I, I, was, I can certainly relate. Um, uh, yeah, C student, but always tried hard at his work. Um, mm-hmm. Good. And my daughter, my daughter's actually the, a little bit the same. She's, Good. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's interesting. Yeah. So that perseverance piece is is massive. I love the story about the uh, the stick and the carrot because I, I yeah, I mean I, I sort of think about even recently with some of my successes that I've had is that 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 carrot sort of drove me and and made me get to a certain level. Uh, sorry, the stick got me there, and then the carrot sort of has. I, I really felt the carrot has given me more motivation. But you're right; it might be the the fear of not doing as well as I've been doing now and losing it all that keeps me going on the stick. Yeah. You know, I realized this at, I don't know, five, six years ago, I was running a trail race, you know, ups, downs, rocks, grass. It wasn't a flat race. It was this tough race. And behind me, I heard two guys that were in much better condition than me Hmm. because I was only doing the 10 K they were doing the half marathon, but we were all on the same loop, but it's a very narrow passage. And if you want to pass someone, you have to say on your left and the, you know, the person you're going to pass has to move to your right. And then they move forward. Well, these two guys, I know they were in much better condition than me because it turns out they were doing the the half marathon. But the reason I know they were in great condition is that they were talking the entire way. So I heard them talking right behind me. And I did not want to have them pass me. Of course, if they said on your left, I'd move over to the right and let them pass. But that drive of hearing them right behind me pushed me when at the time I set my best time ever. Had those two guys, had I let them pass me, I would have never pushed that hard to go catch them. You know, it's the fear of what's chasing you that's going to make you run faster. It's like a deer running away from a tiger. Yeah, yep, yep. I experience, again, I experienced that when I swim, you know, you swim next to someone, like normally I'll just go swimming and often there's um, not too many people in the pool when I go in the morning, but if there's a person in there that's really fast or, or seems to be fast, um, geez, my swimming picks up on that particular day. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't want them to pass, yeah. Well, the action piece, taking action, why is it so, like, how do you, how do you coach people on this topic of action taking? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a friend who for seven years, so I wasn't coaching him. I wasn't even in the world of coaching. I was still active in my business. But every time I saw him every couple of months, he would tell me the ins and outs and problems in his business. Very successful business to a major company in the area is his 50% partner. So he always told me, I really want to buy these guys out. And I just haven't been able to be this, this. And he'd tell me a hundred reasons. As a friend, I'm not there to tell him what to do. As a coach, I'm there to help. Right. So seven years passed. He hired me as a coach because now I was in a different position. I started coaching. Uh, four months later, we bought these partners out. Mm. I helped him do the fundraising. Uh, I just happened to have written the last check for him. He did everything he could. He almost crossed the finish line with all the funds he needed. And I wrote the last check as a friend. He did friends and family round and, and raised enough money. And it was interesting because seven years he talked to me about this every time I spoke to him. And, but what happened is once we started working together and four months later, 
he, his life changed. He's a hundred percent owner. He's now making more money. This all happened about a year and a half ago. He's making more money than he's ever made. And he's not hardly working. He was working 60 hours a week. He's now probably working three to four hours a day and he's making more than ever. Right? So all that happened is that we came up with a plan and then we acted on it. And in this case, what it was, is I said, how much money do you need to raise? He said the figure to buy out the partners. And so we, we, I said, can you do something? Can you set up a Google sheet and put all your friends and family in there? And I want to see it, share it with me. So I had access to it. And then every night, here's his assignment that I gave him five nights a week. He had to call two friends on that list every night and ask them how much they'd be in for if they would be available to, you know, he wrote a list, a list of who he thought would help him raise money. And every night he did that and he put the dollar figure next to their name. So every night I'd check in and I'd see where he's at. And I saw the progress and I gave him that accountability, but, but and he did it in a few, in, I don't know, a couple of weeks, the money was raised. We bought out the partners. We did everything. It was, it was a life-changing event for him and his family. And this is a very successful entrepreneur. But all that happened is that he was in his head and he was going in circles. And yeah, this, we could accomplish it if we could do this one. But wait, there's this. I helped him clear it. And it's not me. It's just having a coach or having anybody who knows what they're doing. Right. And get out of your head. And and that that action changed this person's life. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes it is just having that that, that mental coach that that can help you flesh things out and I guess uh, by yourself, you can't, you know, get rid of some of the obstacles that are holding you back. Yeah, we've got things in our head and they sometimes lead us in a loop. Mm. We need that fresh perspective of somebody who does not have a dog in the fight and who has been there. They've walked that journey already and they can give you good uh, perspective, not necessarily telling you what to do, but challenging you and asking the right questions. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Is there any um, any routines or rituals that you have in your particular day that you help that helps contribute to your success? Absolutely. Yeah. I have a rule that I. Is Sorry, I go just two lost days. you there, Joel. So can you start oh. again? You have a rule. Yeah. So I, I have a rule in my life, and I like to live by rules. And and one of my rules is that I cannot go two days in a row without exercising. Yeah. And that exercise might be a 10K run, a 20, a 30K. I've done more than that, you know. So it might be a long run. It might be a little bit of weightlifting. It might be swimming. So I have to exercise. I'm not the same person if I don't. I'm not as good a husband. I'm not as good a boss. I'm not as good a coach. I'm not as good a father. I'm not as good a neighbor. Not that I'm bad. I don't have a bad attitude or get in anyone's face or, or be rude. But I'm just not as present. I'm not as energized. I'm not as passionate if I don't exercise. So I've got several things, but for me, that is a must. I, I, I like the expression that, you know, tell me how you do anything. I'll tell you how you do everything. And I apply that in my life. I want to be the best entrepreneur I can be. I want to be the best coach I can be. I want to be the, the fittest person I know. I want to eat healthy. So that that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's profound, isn't it? To, to have that, that exercise, that that energy levels and I guess health. I mean, health is is one of the three pillars, I think, to to a successful life or a fulfilled, happy life. Yeah, and the endorphins that get released. It's mm. I've never tried a drug, an illegal drug, but I, I feel a high from running. I feel a high from going to the gym, from swimming, from all of these things, getting sunlight. It just makes me feel amazing. So then I'm going to have a better perspective and a better attitude when challenges come up. Never say never. Why haven't you ever tried drugs? 
Um, because where I grew up, yeah. I saw people use them a lot. Yeah. And they were usually, I never saw people that I looked up to use them. Now, I have friends who I look up to tremendously, and they use them. So it's a different perspective <laughs> now. You know, they'll use marijuana, they'll use gummies, CBD, uh, geez, all that. That's fine. Uh, it's just that the way I grew up, it was something that it, I wasn't too impressed by the folks that I saw using them. So that oh. stuck in my head. Had a good. How many people in your family? Uh, my brother, my parents, and I, just four of us. Four of us, yeah. No, that's cool. Um, what, what one piece of advice would you give anyone listening out there that they could take away today? Yeah, that th- I guess that it's you don't have to look at opportunities or problems in their fullness. You don't have to say, well, yeah, I could do this thing, but then, I, oh, it's all this. And oh, after five seconds of thinking about it, you go, forget it, it's too much. See, I, mm. I don't see things that way. I see things as here's this tremendous opportunity that's super exciting. Okay, I envision the whole thing. And then I go, what do I have to do now? Oh, right now I just have to research and find out what's the best way of calling this thing or what, what is this industry? Okay, I'll search that for 10 seconds. Got it. There it is. Okay, well, is that domain name available? Let me go to godaddy.com and see if I can get that website. And boom, I can get it. Or no, I can't get it. Let me come up with a new name. Let me ask if few friends for a name it's these little baby steps and if it's all in your head put it in a google sheet and put all the steps that you think you need to accomplish and every single day knock at least one of them out so that's how small they need to be that you can knock something out every day and then that success breeds success yeah and it's true eh? like even if just the thought of of how you want to see yourself and and how how you want to end up or, or where you see it going or just even a thought about, like, I'm thinking about doing this Christmas billboard at the moment. And, you know, it's still a few months away. I probably don't need to work on it right now, but I've just planted the seed. And so I, I think at the conscious level, obviously, I'm thinking about it, but subconsciously, I think it's actually developing too. Um, Good. Yeah, absolutely. Just, the subconscious is a powerful monster. Put something in the front of the brain and the back, the back office is going to work on it tremendously well. Yeah. And you've got to just put the right things there too, you know, and, and try and yeah. put the other stuff there. but. No, that's really good, mate. What um, what can people do, Joel, to reach out to you and, and certainly uh, enlist your services or just find out more about you? Sure. I'd be happy to connect with anybody. My website is joelgandara.com. That's J-O-E-L-G-A, N as in Nancy, D as in David, A-R-A.com. Joel Gandara. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, LinkedIn. And if anybody goes to my website and they see, they can sign up for my newsletter. There's no cost. And I try to sell you nothing, nothing at all. I just do a quarterly email where I, I say what I'm up to and cool things I've done over the last three months. You've also got a website, Accelerators.org. Is that right? Yeah, that's an organization where I volunteer and I help as I'm, I don't run it, but I'm one of the volunteer mentors in that organization. Ah, okay. I yeah. gotcha. Yeah, I found you there as well. That's cool. All right, I'll stick the links in the show notes, mate. Thank you so much for coming on and, and spending the time. Really appreciate your, uh, your guidance here. Absolutely. It's been my pleasure speaking with you. Guys, check it out at thehiddenwire.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels, using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. 
Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcasts. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Manutzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon